I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 11 to 1 on LMFM. LMFM. It's time for another word foolery with author Grace Tierney from Stamullen. She always gives us such an interesting and entertaining insight into the origin of words. And this month as Halloween is coming up, our words are connected to the spooky season with bangers, poltergeist and spooky are just some of the words up for discussion. Plus we have the mystery word that's been driving us nuts all morning as well. Pulchritudinous author Grace Tierney is on the line with us now. How are you doing Grace? I'm very well, Sinead. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Now, we do have a poll. It's on going on Instagram at the moment. Now, we, we're not going to get into the mystery word just yet, but I can tell you that that poll is ongoing. If you want to go over to LMFM's Instagram, you can vote there what you think the meaning of the mystery word is. Uh, now, before we uh, discuss the mystery word and go into that, uh, we're going to go into bangers. And this is a word, I think, that has a lot of meanings because us in the radio DJ biz, we'd call a banger a great song from the past but something tells me this is not the meaning you're going to discuss Grace uh, not entirely but that does come up Okay, yeah, that, that word is used in my house a lot by my teens I thought it was a bit more uh, recent recent slang but maybe it's been around a while uh, yeah banger I, I honestly I started looking at this one because people have been letting off bangers around where I live and it's great fun uh, I'm sure but it's not much fun if you work from home no <laughs> so if there are any loud explosions while I'm on the call <laughs> we'll know what it is on. we'll know what it is yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite frustrating uh, for some people and obviously if you pet that's, that's a huge problem oh I know I know but, um, nightmare uh, Look, it's part of September and October and it's seen together earlier every year. So I started looking at banger thinking it would be firework and thought it would be pretty obvious like bang is a loud noise. But um, it has quite a few different meanings which uh, I haven't really thought about. So obviously banger, loud firework comes from the word bang. And I was sure that that would be like traditional Hiberno English but I have finally invested in a dictionary of Hiberno English, looked it up and uh it's not listed as firework there at all. Oh. Um, but I did get a different one, which I'd never heard of. So um, apparently a banger is somebody on a football team, for example, um, who's over the age limit. So oh. you're playing under 10, but there's somebody who's actually 10 or 11 and they're a bit bigger and they can help you win. That's a banger. Oh, I did not know that. No, oh that's gosh. new to me. Now, in fairness, I'm, I'm not much on the sports team. Well, listen, so meet your twin here because no, I wouldn't have a clue of that. Anything to do with sports referencing, no, it goes over my head completely. It does make sense to have a name for that though because I know that drives, um, you know, parents of teams absolutely insane when there's somebody on the pitch and they're like, <laughs> they're enormous, they can't be that age. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they're just tall. Anyway, so in mainstream English, uh, we've got bangers for sausages. Uh, old wrecked cars and popular music with a good beat and good for dancing. Uh, so basically in modern slang it could be a party or a good tune. 
Um, but the banger for sausages actually has quite a oh, yes. story. I forgot about um, that one. Yeah. Now, some people I suspect that are listening will actually remember this one because when I looked it up, I kind of went, oh, I kind of vaguely knew this. So sausages were nicknamed bangers during World War One because there was meat shortages. And uh, as you may know, the two things you should never look at when they're being made is laws and sausages, or maybe budgets, given the day that was yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, you never want to look at how the sausages are made, and they had to be quite inventive in World War One. So they filled them with too much water, and then when you cooked them, they used to explode and with a bang, and that was called a banger. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. And bangers and mash, what a great meal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. But it goes way back. So uh, banger enters English in the 1600s to describe anything which bangs, which makes a noise. And by the end of the 1600s, there's a word which has fallen out of use, but I quite like it, which is a bangster. So it's a bit like a cross between a banger and a gangster. And it was a muscular bully. Oh. So I think we still have them, but we don't call them bangsters any, or bangsters. That's with a G, not a K. (laughs) But yeah. Um, and banger itself led me a little bit further back to the verb bang, which is to strike uh, hard with a loud blow. And it joined English in the 1500s, probably from a Scandinav- Scandinavian source akin to the Old Norse word banga, which means to pound or hammer. So having gone off looking at fireworks, I ended up back with another word that the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm haunted by Vikings at the minute. <laughs> if you're cooking your sausages over your bonfire at Halloween or you're playing very carefully with bangers, um, then you have the Vikings to thank for it all. You have the Vikings to thank for it and that is fantastic. Now, this is a word that I love uh, just for the how it sounds, um, even though the meaning behind it isn't very nice, but it's a great word to say. Sabotage. Isn't it a brilliant word? I love it, that's, yeah. That's actually why I started looking at it. I don't know, were you watching the uh, submarine drama on BBC Vigil? No, I haven't been watching that. It's very, very good. Anyway, it's finished now, unfortunately, but at Brilliant cast and they did a great job on filming in such a confined space. But there was sabotage going on on the boat. And, and in the last episode, people kept whispering, Captain, I think it's sabotage, in this real sinister voice. And it reminded me just how much I love the way that word sounds. So I went looking, of course. Um, and it turns out we get sabotage from a French shoe which is not where I thought we no. would find ourselves. <laughs> uh, so sabotage enters English in 1907 as a borrowed word directly from French. And the French word was derived from the verb saboteur to sabotage or bungle something. But its origins lie back in footwear. So a sabot or sabot, as they would have said it, um, was a wooden shoe. And it's so old. It goes back to the 1200s, possibly earlier. It's the kind of thing that the peasants or the lower class workers would have worn to basically get their feet above the level of the mud and the dirt on farms and mucky rural lanes and that kind of thing. Wow. So you kind of think a little bit like a clog. Yes, that's what I have in my head, on. yeah. Yeah, so quite quite crude. You could probably carve one yourself if you were a bit handy. Um, they're really cheap to make, albeit a little bit wobbly. And the wealthier people would wear them too, but they would change into fancier leather or silk shoes when they reached their destination. So you just wear your sabots when you're out on the street. It's like, you know, you know, commuters that you see running in like suits and they, they're wearing the runners and then they get to work and they have the high heels or the proper shoes. That's what it's like. Exactly. But a lot cheaper to make and a lot noisier on the street because they're wooden. So they'd, if you were on stones or cobbles or whatever, they'd be quite noisy. Everybody would hear you coming. 
Um, so saboteur translated literally as to walk noisily in sabot shoes. And the word sabot comes from the French word uh, bot for boot and sabate, which is old shoe. And sabate goes even further back, goes back to a Persian word, chiabat, which actually gives us words like chiabata. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a loaf named after a shoe. That's a story for another day. And chiabatas are quite recent as well. But the, the chiabat and sabat goes way back. Um, so we get to sort of sabotage's more modern meaning. Um, where we have um, the idea of disgruntled people uh, destroying property by throwing shoes. So, for example, in Iraq, uh, way you know, back uh, with Saddam Hussein and stuff, there was something mm-hmm. like throwing shoes at a press conference. I don't know if you remember that. No, so I don't. It was a way of showing disrespect okay. was to throw a shoe at somebody. Um, and certainly throwing a shoe into a machine would certainly bung up the works pretty well. But unfortunately, that's one of those folk etymologies. So people love the idea that we get sabotage from throwing sabots into machinery. It's nonsense. Oh, <laughs> no. It's actually more to do with the whole idea of wobbling along on the wooden shoes. So they kind of gained a reputation as being the footwear of the rural peasant class and they weren't as cool and sophisticated as the town and city folks. So if you were wobbling along, clumsily walking on your sabots, then you were one of these people, that, a lower class worker. And by the late 1800s, when those workers wanted to protest their wages or their conditions, instead of striking, they would work deliberately, clumsily and slowly to annoy their customers and cause a loss to their employer. Mm. So I reckon this might have been the original kind of go slow protest. Yes, are you there? I am. Oh, you're there. Oh, yeah. I, thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. Absolutely brilliant. That is such a great, and like, I love that idea. I can even visualise them, you know, working slowly to sabotage the actual employer. That's brilliant. Um, now, we are approaching Halloween and it's only right that we discuss ghosts. So tell us about the origins of poltergeist. Poltergeist, yeah. This is when we get from the Germans. We're going all over Europe. We're yeah. The North, the French, Germans. Yeah, very international today. Um, so poltergeist is actually reasonably simple construction of a word. It's compounded from two sources. So we've got poltern, which is a German verb meaning to knock, and geist, which means spirit. You might yeah. almost kind of get that from geist to ghost, you know, that kind of linkage. Um, but it may have had a uh, quite a famous original user. So we'll, we'll come back to him at the end. Um, so you're probably familiar with your horror movies. Yeah. Those at Halloween, poltergeists, moving objects around, strange smells, odd noises, literally things that go bump in the night, often targeting one particular living person or place. This idea is really common across a whole load of different cultures. I suppose we've all been a bit twitchy on the dark winter nights. Um, and it's often explained away by things like gusts of wind or an earth tremor or, you know, rats in the walls or whatever. Hopefully not rats in our walls. No. <laughs> um, so things about poltergeist activity, actually reports of those go back as far as 1500. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's earlier ones that are just not necessarily written down. Um, but the word only entered English officially in the 1800s. And it was probably aided by an upsurge around that time. The Victorians were obsessed with the occult. Um, and the spiritualist movement and all that kind of thing. But in German, it translates, which I love this, as rumble ghost. Oh. I quite like the idea of that. <laughs> now I have this notion of a poltergeist just being vaguely hungry. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> he kind of feels a little bit less threatening now. Yeah. No, I'm it. I think we should go with rumble ghost instead. But poltergeist, <laughs> you know, we all know the word. Um, 
But interestingly, it, it appears regularly, I, I don't know because I haven't read it in the original German, in the writings of Martin Luther. So oh. you might know his name yeah. because he started the Protestant Reformation of the Church in Europe. And um, there is a suggestion that he may have actually coined the word. So it's possible that we get poltergeist from Martin Luther, which I just find bizarre. That is bizarre. That is bizarre because like, well, maybe he was warning people away from that and kind of trying to encourage them to to come to religion. I don't know. I don't know. Presumably. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was quite a straight laced guy. He was. I'm amazed that he's writing about ghosts. Yeah, that is interesting. Hmm. Okay, and you know, on the on the theme of of ghosts, ghosts we would describe as again another great word to say spooky. You have to kind of say it in a spooky way as well. <laughs> you have to say it like that. Do you? Are you sure? Ah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll try. So, spooky. Yes, very good. <laughs> um, has been in English since eighteen fifty four, but uh, to get back to its actual origins, you have to, as you might guess, go back to spook. So uh, spook enters English in the early 1800s as a term for a spectre, apparition or ghost. And it's direct borrowing from Dutch. So, yes, we have another country <laughs> on, the, on the, uh, the radio today. So I don't know if the Netherlands are particularly badly infested with ghosts and ghouls. Um, but they were the ones that turned the Middle Dutch word. Uh, oh, it's S-P-O-O-C. So I'm going to say Spock. Yeah, it kind of sounds like Spock. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not like Spock on Star Trek. No, okay? no, no. But they, so they had Spock, and it, it evolved into Spook. So just a difference in spelling. And um, interestingly, the word has a load of cousins across pretty much all the European languages. Some of which make sense, and some of which kind of don't. So German had Spur and Spock with the K. Norwegian has Spook. Lithuanian has Spingu, which means to shine. Old Prussian, which would be like an early German, um, has. Mm. I think I said that right, uh, which means spark, which, you know, the shine and spark kind of makes sense if you yeah. think about how we, how we think a ghost looks like. Um, but I don't really understand the other one. So we've got Swedish word spark for scarecrow. Okay. Well, yeah, kind of linking, yeah. Yeah, a little bit spooky if you're out at night in the fields kind of thing. And Danish bog, which is joke. Oh. So I, I quite like that the Danish word is joke because it gives me this whole idea that they're much more into the trick part of trick or treat. Yes, than the, the really actual, really yeah, yeah, I get you. sensible, you know. Um, but spook also has a couple of non-ghostly meanings in English too, one of which kind of caught my eye. So you can use it as a term for an undercover agent. Uh, that dates back to 1942. So spooks, spy, spook novels. I, I, that one I'd know, yeah. but I didn't realise that it was also um, uh, a negative term for somebody with dark skin, and that arose in the 1940s as well. Oh, of course, so, of course. It's something obviously we don't use today, but yes, I, yes, yeah. I would have heard of that, all right, yes. Mercifully, that's... Oh, you'd heard of that one, because I haven't heard that yeah, one. Yeah, it definitely popped up in a film. I don't know if it was like Mississippi Burning or, or one of them. It popped up in something like that, and obviously in a derogatory way, used by a white person kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely like heard of that in a great. film somewhere. But the nice thing is it actually gets a sort of a turn, which is where I, I was delighted to hear this. So um, you may know the, the story. I kind of vaguely knew the term. So there was um, a number of African-Americans uh, joined the U.S. Air Force in World War II, um, a lot of them being um, athletic type people, mm-hmm. athletes. As they wanted to serve, that's great. They went down to train as pilots in Alabama, which I think, you know, mightn't be no. that friendly at no. that time. 
um, and they were dubbed the spook waffle oh, um, as a kind of a counter thing to the Luftwaffe, right? Um, which is pretty negative, right? But they totally turned it around. So they're nowadays they would be known more commonly, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this one, as the Tuskegee Airmen. Okay. I had heard that name. as the name of the base where they trained. And they served throughout the war. They had brilliant results and they were later awarded the Congressional Gold Medal by George W. Bush. They're actually really famous now for how good they were. So they took that whole spook off the thing and went, no, we're not having that. We're just going to be brilliant and awesome. And that's what they did with it. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, Such a story to come out of the word spooky. Absolutely brilliant. Now to the mystery word and I'm just going to check our poll here now on Instagram because we gave them two choices. I know you gave me three choices, okay? So it was... um, either rancid, beautiful or uh, terrifying. I can say that on the poll uh, so far 53% saying rancid and 47 saying beautiful which I think is going to come as no surprise to you Grace because this word is kind of uh, because of its th- the sound of it I think people get confused by thinking it's a negative thing. I think they do. Yes. <laughs> I was enjoying the suggestions that people were sending in to you. Uh, prudish was an interesting one. I yes. Like that. An ugly person. Uh, sadly, I'm afraid you're a little bit off track. Dodgy rash. I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> like to talk about your rash. <laughs> and something rotten. Yeah, it sounds like something's rotten. It really does. But that's why I love this word. So it's not, strictly speaking, a creepy Halloween word, but I just couldn't resist throwing it in there to mislead you all. It's actually an adjective for describing physical beauty, especially uh, women. There you go now. Where would you find this now? Would it be sort of in Victorian novels? Because I don't think I've ever come across it. I suppose it's not used that often, but technically it is still a modern word. It's not archaic and it's not sort of disappeared. Um, I think it just sounds really odd because it sounds like kind of a mixture of sepulchre, like a grave, uh, and cretin. And none of those have any association with beauty. So unless you know the meaning, you can be really badly misled. And I have to say, I do have a mental image of a kind of a wordy type of uh, gentleman complimenting his yes. with this yes. word and being slapped across the face for his pain <laughs> because she's not going to be impressed unless she knows the word. She's going to be quite cross. Um, it goes so maybe don't this. use it in a, ch- a chat up line in the pub. No, no, I would not recommend that, boys and girls. I really wouldn't. <laughs> um, according to the dictionaries, it was first used in the 1400s and is a Middle English word with a source from a Latin word pulcher or pulcher, um, which means beautiful. Okay. That's, that's it. It, it always meant beautiful, but it just does not sound like a beautiful word. It really doesn't. Grace, as always, thank you so much for a really entertaining word, foolery. Enjoy Halloween and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you. Have a very happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks a million. Author Grace Tierney has quite a few books out there. Her latest one is Words the Vikings Gave Us. And she's told me that Academy Books in Southgate and Drogheda are stocking that at the moment if you want to get your hands on it. It's a great idea, actually, for a Christmas present uh, if you're shopping early. And you can get more information on, on Grace on her blog, wordfoolery.wordpress.com. 11 to 1 on LMFM. LMFM. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.